Didn't the singers and musicians do a wonderful job? They've done so good, and I'm so thankful that the Lord, let me tell you something, He was providing before the church doors ever even opened up in this house. Amen, and I'm so thankful, so thankful to Him today. If you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, turn with us to the book of Matthew chapter 25. The book of Matthew chapter 25. I was talking to some earlier this um, morning, and... uh, I sent a message even to my mom this morning as she is here with my grandpa this this weekend and said that they were going to be watching online. And I said, she was praying. I said, I need it. Because let me tell you, the enemy's been attacking all week. And I know it's not just me. It's each and every single one of us. Amen. It seems like if you're, you're alive and breathing and you say, Jesus, you're being attacked. We're under attack. But let me tell you, God is faithful. Amen. And I'm encouraged today uh, because I know that we're on the winning side. And that scripture just keeps coming into my heart and spirit. If God be for us, then who can be against us? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let me tell you, the enemy's forming a lot of weapons against God's children. But be encouraged today. He's done said in his word that not one of them is going to prosper. I know that it looks like we may be going down. But let me tell you one thing. He's still got a hold of you with his right hand. And you're going to make it. Amen. I said you're going to make it. Amen. Because he's never lost one that was his. And I'm encouraged today because I know in whose hand I belong. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm encouraged today. You may say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you, we're all going through stuff. And the devil's fighting hard, each and every single one of us. I mean, the powers of darkness, it just seems like it's coming against, but that lets me know that I must be on the right track. Because if you're not on the right track, then it seems like everything goes easy. But when you're right smack dab in the will of God, that's when the enemy fights the hardest because he opposes that which is of the Lord. So I'm encouraged today because I know we must be doing something right or the enemy wouldn't be fighting as hard as he has. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. And we'll be reading the first 13 verses of this chapter. And the Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they who were ready, underline those three words in your Bible, who were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other's virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Many may be wondering and asking as today as to why we open up our church doors and because most churches have decided to shut their doors and we do not talk about them whatsoever. We pray. In fact, I was praying for each and every single pastor today that God give them the wisdom and the knowledge because it, we're at a, a crossroads right now and hard decisions that's had to be made. 
And many will not necessarily have opened their doors, but yet we'll preach online today. And right now, most churches will have a bigger congregation today than they ever have on most Sundays. And what I mean by that is because week in and week out, church is viewed as what's inside these four walls or the four walls of other churches. But today, because of the fact that the recommendation has been not to go uh, to churches, not to go anywhere rather, but except for the essential places, many people will watch today by the way of internet, by the way online. I've seen it even this past week that the views that a lot of churches get has doubled, has even tripled and quadrupled because people are not in the house of God because of the fact of what is going on with this virus that is out there. So they're watching. So the audience today will be a lot bigger than what it normally is Sunday in and Sunday out. There is a longing in the heart of each and every single person that is born that is walking right now. There is a void inside each one that you and I, we know that without Jesus Christ will never be filled. And the world today is running around and panicking and fear. And it saddens my heart because as I was telling David this morning, that I see the church acting the same way that the world is. We're running around with fear. We're running around panicked. We're running around thinking we don't know what we're going to do from one minute to the next. And let me tell you, we are still the church. The world is looking to the church to see how we are going to respond to situations. And when I say the church, I don't mean just us sitting here in these four walls. But I'm talking about the church as a collective whole. The world is looking at the church and seeing what we're doing, but yet what they are finding in the church, the majority of the church, is no different than what they're doing, and it's fear and it's panic, which tells me that the church is not in the right condition that they think they are in. The church is not ready for revival. We say that we're ready for revival. We say that we're ready for this great outpouring of His Holy Spirit that we still do believe in the last days will come. But when we go around and just something as simple as this, let me tell you, sicknesses and viruses has always been around. Deaths have always taken place. We look at the flu and it's killed a whole lot more people than this. And I do not demean whatsoever. Do not take me wrong what is going on. And our hearts and, and, and we cry and pray out for those that have lost loved ones to this. But this is no different than those that have lost loved ones to the flu or to cancers or to diabetes. Our hearts cry out unto them. But when we see something like this taking place and we see the church acting and operating up underneath fear, let me know that we're not in the position spiritually to say that we are. And that rather that we should be. And we all have seen it on Facebook. We have all uh, seen the, the, the slides that have passed by. And I even wrote something on the churches the other day that said, uh, you know, it seems like everything's canceling left or right. But good news, the rapture is still happening. And the rapture of the church is still happening. Let me tell you, it's, it's, it's a far gone conclusion. It's taking place. But the church is not ready. Hear me, the church is not ready. I had another message that was prepared, one that I actually preached two and a half years ago and that the Lord was going to have me to do a little bit of spin on it. And it was the message of wake up. And in fact, I will uh, quote one of the verses. But the Lord then took me over to Matthew chapter 25, parable that we just read to you. 
And if there's ever been a time that, that, that we see a picture and a parable that is fitting to the church, it is the one that I just read. It is one that I just read. So even though we may sit here and say that we're saved, and I pray to God that each and every single of us are, let me tell you something. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves as the foolish virgins. And there are many that are watching by the way of internet today and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know this Jesus that we sang about. You don't understand why we say that he is awesome in this place. And my God is awesome because he can move mountains and he keeps me in the valley. He hides me from the rain. And you think, why in the world are up there praising the Lord? Let me tell you, because we are not just singing about a man, because we know this man that we're singing about. And his name is Jesus Christ. I'm amongst the body are here today that has seen God move in their heart and life, that has seen God move the mountains out of their way. In the midst of a body of people that has experienced the power of Almighty God, and I'm amongst a body of believers that are convinced today that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm amongst a body of believers today that says, I know in whom I have believed. Let me tell you, every attack from hell can come my way, but my feet is planted upon the rock Christ Jesus. I'm not down, but this right here, what is going on in the world today and the attacks of the enemy has nothing more but fueled me to continue to go on with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, I've come too far to turn back now. I've seen him move in my life time and time again. And let me tell you, this too of what is going on shall pass. He is going to move. It doesn't matter what situation is going on in your life. God is still the answer. There is no other answer. He is the answer and will always be the answer. Hallelujah. You better believe that today. You better believe that with all that's within you. It's time that we stand up and we say, devil, I'm sick and tired of it. My hands and lifting them up towards heaven. Quit looking down and start looking up to where your help comes from. Their help don't come from the government. Your help don't come from Washington, D.C. Your help comes from above. Hallelujah. My help today as I stand here doesn't come from anything that I've done, but it comes from up above. I'm not here because man has told me to be here, and I'm not listening to anybody else but the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that I've got to answer to, and he's commissioned me to preach the word of Almighty God because that's what we need today. We don't need a stimulus check. What we need is the word of Almighty God. That's what we need today. That's the answer for us today. It's still the word of God. We need to tell government, the church needs to rise up and say your answer is not in what man can think, but the answer is still in the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves down, pray, seek my face, and repent of the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sin, and I will heal He's done laid it out, church. He's done said what this going to need to take place in order for him to do what we need him to do. That's us humbling down, and that is us seeking his face, and that is us saying, God, have mercy upon our soul. And then he said with a promise, I will forgive them of their sin. I will, I will do what they need me to do. I will heal their land. He will heal us today. And let me tell you, I know not a shadow of a doubt that it's going to take place. You know why? Because he said in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And with this spirit that's being poured out 
It's going to come persecution. Just as there was in Acts chapter 1. They were all hovered together in the Jerusalem. And they weren't going out fulfilling the commission told them to do so he said oh I see you want to just stay right here in a box which is much like the church is today we want to hover just right here in between these four walls praise Jesus we love you hallelujah amen we come in we get our praise on as people like to say and then we hit out that door and we say we hear that we're entering the mission field but yet nobody's doing missionary work and it sounds like to me that he's having to make us just a little bit uncomfortable just like you had to do with the first church. Oh, you're not going to fulfill Say, okay, well, let me lift my hand a little bit and let persecution come your way. And then that I have called you to do is going to get accomplished. And then when we see that that happened and the Bible says that they scattered abroad. And guess what? They began going and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he has called you and I to do. That's my introduction. Wasn't in my nose or nothing like that. But the Lord knows what needs to be said. Amen. But as I said, the church is not ready. We are truly not ready. And there are many more that are within the church today. I'm talking millions upon millions that claim the name of Jesus. They are in church, but they're not in Christ. They are in church, but they're not in Christ. I was talking to an individual one time that was doing a project for the company that I used to be involved with for 20 years. And he flat told me, and I had the privilege and the honor to be able to lead him to the Lord. The seed, not because of anything I'd done. Seeds had been sown. i just come along and watered it, and the Lord brought forth the increase. But he looked at me, and he told me that his wife flat out looked at him. He went to church week in and week out and said, you know what your problem is? She called him by his name. She said, you're a part of the church, but you're not in the church. You go to church week in and week out. You do all of these things. You pat yourself on the back, and yet you don't know this Jesus that you say you come to worship. And that's the condition of the church today. We come in week in and week out. The churches, they are filled, then they let the people out, and then we go on about our lives living just like the foolish virgins. So I want to preach today a message, a message that I know the Lord laid upon my heart that is a timely message, not only for us that who are ready, but a message for those who aren't ready. And that message is a lamp without oil, a lamp without oil. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that we feel in this house. Lord, we thank you for the liberty, Lord God, that is in this house, Lord. God, I you that even though lord we have fought hell and every demon power it seems like this week lord here we are today god still standing lord god strengthened by you lord god i thank you for every person that is here today lord and i thank you for those that are watching my internet lord that would thank enough of us lord to hear what we got to say but god not one of us are here none of those that are watching or will be watching that just happen to come upon this but lord, they have been drawn by the holy spirit so, God, I pray today, Lord, that as your words, Lord, that you have placed inside my heart goes forth. Lord, I pray that you would saturate each and every single word, Lord, every syllable, Lord, that would come out of my mouth with your sweet anointing, Lord, that breaks the yoke of bondage, God. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that there would be a check placed upon every heart and that, God, not one that comes up underneath the sound of my voice today, Lord, 
would allow these words to just pass on by, Lord, and not reach out, Lord, and receive them, Lord, and allow you to move in their heart and life. And we will forever give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. So we find here in this portion of Scripture that disciples in a form of a parable. And many might say, well, well, what exactly is a parable? In fact, if you read through the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you will find some of them repetitive, but 30 different parables that Jesus has spoken. Now, the disciples asked, that many might now, right, would ask, why in the world did Jesus speak in parables? Why didn't he just flat out the fact that he wanted it penned in his word, signifying to you and I that every victory that is won is special to God. So let me tell you, every word that is said is important. So even though many parables were short, but yet they contain more truth and power in just a few words than you and I could ever speak. These 13 verses here, however many words that it was, was chalk full of truth like never before, like, like they had never and then you can derive from this so many different sermons. Only Jesus speak. No other man could ever speak like this man. Amen. So here we find Jesus speaking again to the disciples about the parable of the ten virgins and how the kingdom of God, hear me, how the kingdom of God will be just like these ten virgins. Just like it. Okay, so all these virgins were ones who had belonged to the Lord. Because when you read or you hear the word of a virgin, it signifies purity. It signifies one that is clean. So here he is saying that the kingdom of God is likened as to these virgins. So here we've got ten virgins. They represent purity. They represent all of those that had accepted Jesus in their heart and in their life. They had accepted. So again, that means that they were washed. They had been regenerated. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And thank God that our salvation is not predicated on where we have been or what we have done. If our salvation was predicated upon what we had been, where we've been or what we have done or the color of our skin or the size of our bank account, I'm afraid it would knock a lot of people out. But the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means this gospel is not a white man's gospel. It's not a black man's gospel. It's not an Asian, a Chinese. This gospel is for whosoever, for all that will come in and drink of the water of life. He says, Come, come, come. That's all we got to do. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Let me tell you something. Some of the best Christians that I've ever known has had some of the roughest past. And they love him much because they've been forgiven him much. Because they know the power of God in their heart and life. Because they know where Jesus Christ brought them from. They know what they were involved in. They know the things that they were doing. They had tried each and every single thing else but to no avail they found themselves right back in the same place but one day they cried unto Jesus Christ and by talking to anybody that knows what I'm talking about you cried unto Jesus and at the mention of that name his Holy Spirit came in his blood came down and washed you of your sins the burden was lifted off of you peace came inside of you you had experienced the power of Almighty God and the things that once used to bind you were now laying at your feet. No other program in the 
silver, no other fine hand work, but it was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said for the preacher of the gospel and of Jesus Christ is to them who perish foolishness but unto us who are saved it is the power of God hallelujah it's the power of God because we know what that cross has done for us we know that what he did there for us has changed our heart and life let me tell you you may argue all day long but Counter and an experience will triumph an argument all day long. Come to me with all of your naysaying. Come to me with saying, well, I don't believe. Let me tell you, I know, I know, that I know, that I know, that this is real. I know that I know. Because I look at myself today, and I don't see that old Wayne. I see a new Wayne in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we find here ten virgins which represent those who had accepted the Lord and were cleansed from the pollution of the world. Ten virgins that had that accepted Jesus Christ, they, they were cleansed from the pollution of the world, and they carried a lamp which represents the light of the Christ and all believers. When you got saved, spiritually speaking, you were a lamp. You became a lamp. And as a lamp, we know that a lamp brings forth light. And when you said yes to him, you entered into covenant with him, and now you are light bearers, if you will. You possess the light of Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world, a city that is set on that cannot be hid. See, not only are we light, but as Christians, we are also the only light of the world. That's why the Bible says precious are those that have went on. Because every time a born-again believer dies and leaves this world, the world gets a little bit darker. We don't see salvations like we used to. What's happened? God's not changed. He's still the same yesterday and today forever. What's happened, the fall has to be lied at the doorstep of the church. Because we have failed to preach God's word. We have pointed them to broken cisterns which hold no water. We've not pointed them to the only solution of this world. Therefore, we are seeing fewer and fewer saved than ever before. Therefore, we are seeing fewer baptized in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are seeing less and less of the gifts of the Spirit, the divine healing, all of these things that Christ has died to give. Because we have failed number one, to preach the authentic word of God because we changed it. And number two, because we are not being those ambassadors that Christ has called us to be. An ambassador is one that goes to a foreign country and represents the one and where they live in. The United States, every country has an ambassador. And that ambassador goes to foreign land and is there representing the country. Think about the responsibility that that is. I believe the last one, I'm not sure of the current one that we have, but the United States, the last ambassador that I'm aware of was Nikki Haley. And she would go to other countries representing all 330 million Americans here in the country. You and I are ambassadors to Jesus Christ. And in case you didn't know, we're on foreign land. This world is not my home. This world is dark, and you and I are the only lights of this world. And so God has commissioned us to go out and be 
the lie. Listen, it ain't you who's the lie, but it's the Christ that's inside of you that is the light of Jesus Christ. That's why they're drawn to you, not because of anything that you are, not because of anything that you've done, but because of the one that you claim, and because of the fact that he's now living inside of you and now able to live through you, that's what they're drawn to. But you and yourself are dirty or wretched or filthy. I don't care how long we've been saved. We are dirty, we are wretched, and we are filthy all within ourselves. But in Christ Jesus, I've got a spotless righteousness. I am holy. I am perfect. Why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus who is holy, who is righteous, and who is, was, and always shall be perfect. And a city on a hill that cannot be healed, that cannot be hid. Salvation is going to tell on you we go, yes, we should tell people that absolutely speak of Jesus, absolutely claim, and we should. The Bible tells us to proclaim his name, to proclaim the mighty acts. But let me tell you, salvation will tell you. When you get saved like that, there's an instant change that comes in, and there are a lot of things that will fall off of you. Just like that. They fall off. There are some things that will still to try to hold on to you and, and cling to you. And that's another message and another sermon for another time. But all of a sudden things begin to change because the sin nature now has been pushed down. The divine nature, Holy Spirit has come in and is now leading you and guiding you. So now these people that you work with, those in your family are starting to know to see the change that has taken place to you. And let me just say, this is not in my notes, that you're not going to be received by all. You're not going, you're going to be rejected. Was Christ not rejected? By his own family. I can stand here today and tell you as one because I'm in love with Jesus Christ and everything within me and because I uphold the word of Almighty God because I still believe that it is faith and grace that it takes to be able to live this Christian life. It wasn't just faith and grace and salvation, but it's faith and grace even for sanctification. And I can tell you that I'm not necessarily received well. I'm rejected. You will be rejected when you come to know Jesus Christ. But if he be for me, who can be against me? I could care less what they say about me. Run my name all through the mud all you want to. You can call me dirty, but in Jesus I am clean. And it's him the one that I'm living for. It's him the one that I'm setting out each and every single day to live for. Not man. So these virgins would take their lamps and would go forth and prepare to meet the bridegroom. Each virgin, each virgin, it had a responsibility to be prepared concerning the coming wedding. When I was preparing this message, it made me think of when Stacy and I got married a few years ago. And the moment that I asked her to marry me, the moment that I asked her to be my wife, that right there signified a covenant relationship. I desire to be your husband. I desire for you to be my wife. And from that moment that we got engaged, a date was set for the wedding to take place. And during that time between the engagement to the time we come together and made a commitment that we're going to, get, that we're going to be married, but yet already was together, signifying how you are with Jesus Christ, you've accepted him. There was a date that was set in place, but preparations had to be made for the wedding to take place. We didn't just get engaged and then five or six months later, however long it was, and then on June 10th show up and say, okay, we're here to get married. Didn't happen. 
The wedding didn't just happen out of nowhere. Her dress had to be bought. Decorations had to be made. My mom went all out. She was just excited that her firstborn was getting married. She went right to work the moment Stacy said yes. She was happy. And, but yet preparations had to be made in order for this wedding to take place. You see, as with any wedding, continual preparations are being made from the engagement until the wedding day. So should it be from the day of the morning and experience until the rapture of the church. See, we said yes to Jesus Christ, but yet preparations has to be made for that great wedding. Had I not continued, had Stacy not followed through with the things that needed to be done, we would not have been ready for the wedding that was set. Had we not had invited the people, had we not set this and done that, then the wedding day would have come, and yet we would have been caught unaware. We would have been called there, not prepared, you see. So we are constantly watching the calendar again, and we were counting down the time until we would join in as husband and wife. See, it's the same way with each and every Christian. We're counting down the time until it gets there. We don't know the day in which Jesus comes. But let me tell you, just as sure as I'm standing here, the rapture of the church is still going to take place. I've heard before that they said preachers in the past used to preach it all the time because they thought it was going to take place. Well, so do they here. But just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. The rapture of the church is going to take place as sure as I'm standing here. And for us that are saved, my God, it's a great and glorious day because 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. He ain't sending nobody for you. He said himself. He's descending for you and he's descending for me. And with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the my God, that should give you something to look forward to. As a child growing up, I look forward to that sixth birthday because I don't get to get my license. And when I get, kept growing and got to reach 18, I was excited because then I would be able to vote. Then when I hit 21, I would technically be legal and adult, if you will. But now, uh, I don't look forward to them much because <laughs> they roll around a lot quicker than what they did. No, I'm just picking. I'm thankful to be alive. But still, I look forward to those dates with anticipation. As a child of God, how much more should we be looking to that glad day with anticipation, knowing that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of the living God, the one who bled and died for you, is going to step out and come back for you. That day I look forward to with glad anticipation. But the one that don't know the Lord doesn't look at that day with anticipation. Get that day with hope and glee. Never before I say, Lord, come quickly. You see, we are living in perilous times. I brought up the scripture the other Sunday. The second Timothy chapter three says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And in case you don't know what perilous times mean, it's difficult, dangerous, fierce. Are we not living in perilous times right now? They're difficult times. They're hard times. We're in the last days, church, and we need to start acting and start waking up and realizing that we're in the last days. 
But the church is sitting around, just growing around, doing this and doing that. Don't know which way they're going. They're letting fear rule their heart instead of realizing, wait a minute, he's not giving me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And I don't need to be afraid of anything because he's going to already and has done it and will supply all of my needs. And furthermore, I'm just closer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back for me, taking me out of this world. I was talking to Ricky the other day, and I was excited and encouraged me how he was talking about how thing, the Lord has just been moving in his heart and life the last several months, and how he's talking to people around delivering packages. And he told me, and it just confirmed what I was preaching, that we better wake up. He's coming back. The times of playing games are over. It's time. The line's being drawn in the sand. Who are you going to serve? The Bible says choose you today. Who you're going to serve today. We got to make that choice. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Today. So as believers, we are to be watching and anticipating that day that he will come back. So in the first four verses, we see the character of these virgins. Five wise and five were foolish. And again, we've established that all these virgins signify that they all belong to Christ. So as ten virgins outwardly they all appeared the same but inwardly they were not the same and let me tell you man's point of view is so different than God's point of view you don't believe me read 1 Samuel I believe it is chapter 17 where we see the anointing of David and there they sure Eliab was the one that Samuel had come for and he said no that ain't the one because God looks upon the heart and man looks upon the outward he sees the outward. Man, God looks upon the heart. It wasn't Eliab that he wanted. He seen David's heart, and that's the one that he wanted. It was David. God's point of view is definitely different than man's point of view. So here he says that there's ten virgins like that. They were all have been saved. They'd all have been cleansed like that. But yet, themselves five foolish and five wise. So the ones who were foolish were the ones who took their lamps but had no oil inside of them. I brought these two lamps here because I was going to use them for an illustration. I got these from my grandma and grandpa's house yesterday. They don't really make these anymore. Or that maybe they do, but I don't see them much in the store. But we see here two lamps. They look the same on the outside, don't they? They're the same size, made of the same thing. They both have twisty things that turns the wick, the, where the wick holds them, and all of that good stuff. But what's the difference? One's got no oil. One's got oil. This right here is representative of the modern church. This right here describes what the church is today. And the Bible said, Jesus said that the one that didn't have oil was foolish. Oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. Oil is what we need each and every single day to be able to live for the Lord. You see, we can't live this life without the help of the Holy Spirit. And too many Christians are walking around and now have started to live outside of the domain of the Holy Spirit because we're not looking to Christ and what He's done at Calvary. We're looking to ourselves, and because of that, we're frustrating the grace of God. So we begin our Christian journey just as this lamp here is full of oil. The day that you got saved, you were filled up. Amen? But with time, foolish wasn't taking any oil with them because 
you light this lamp, what's it's going to burn the oil. And a fire can't come unless there's any oil. We want to know why there's no fire in the church today. The question is, where's the oil? Because we don't have the oil of the Holy Spirit upon our churches. Therefore, the fire can't fall. But when we get back to preaching Christ and Him crucified, when we get back to preaching the Word of Almighty God, when we get back to pointing the believer and the sinner back to the one who put it out for them, just then... The Holy Spirit will begin to fall the way that we want Him to fall. And then we will begin to see the things that we read about and even in greater measures that I believe that He will do because He says the latter rain shall be greater than the former. So the lamp without oil is useless. That lamp there cannot burn. I'm trying to use that lamp for, uh, for a light. But without the oil, it's useless. And it just disappears in the darkness. But it's the one that has oil that is to help in the times of darkness. You see, just as these versions, many possess the appearance of a Christian, and they're going through the motion, but because of no true inward life of faith, they were called foolish. You see, we've got many professors of Christianity, but we got few possessors. Everybody today says that they're saved. Everybody today says that I'm Christian. Everybody believes that they're a Christian. Everybody that dies is on their way to heaven. But I'm afraid that that's not the case. Because the Bible says hell hath enlarged yourself. And nobody goes to hell because of what they did or what they didn't do. They go to hell because of unbelief. And the reality of it is people have not accepted Jesus Christ. They're going through the motions. They look the part on the outside. We dress the part. We come in with our nice clothes. We go to church one time a week, twice a week. If you're really good, you go three times a week. We hit the prayer meetings. We throw our tithes in the offering pray. We talk about Jesus, but yet we possess not the one that we're talking about. That's the condition of the church today. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And let me tell you, to be half full is really meaning to be half empty. And there are many Christians, they love the Lord, but yet they started out with a lamp full of oil, and I don't have a third lamp. I wish I did. But yet they're only halfway filled. They're halfway filled. And you know what that tells me? They're on their way to empty. They're on Because you don't get to this place, to this place overnight. So you get to that place over a period of time. And again, it's because we're not uh, replenishing the oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit had to be replenished. And that's why the virgins the wise took with them the extra oil to be able to pour back into the lamp. They knew that eventually oil was going to burn out. And without a replenishment of the oil, they wasn't going to have the light to be able to see the bridegroom when he appeared. See, in that day and time, uh, the bridegroom would often be at the parents' house. See, right now, Jesus, our bridegroom, is with the Father. And sometimes there would be a delay when the wedding, the wedding was supposed to have started or, or was supposed to be taking place, but yet there was a delay because the bridegroom was still with the parent. But yet still, they were to be prepared. So even though that the rapture of the church has not taken place necessarily when we thought it should have or when we thought it would have, does not mean that it's not going to take place. Sons with a father. I believe in my heart he's on the edge of his seat, get ready to come back. I believe with all of my heart he's ready to come back for his bride. 
bride. But let me tell you, he's coming by for a bride that is adorned and that is ready for him. And the bride of Christ is not ready. We're not ready. As a bride would get in the room and get her makeup on and her hair done and all of this other stuff, spiritually speaking, we're not ready. Ready to meet the bridegroom. So how again is this accomplished that we have the oil of the Spirit flowing in our heart and life? Looking to Christ each and every single day and what He's done for us at the cross by sending ourselves into the house of God and with other like-minded believers by praying and seeking His face, which seems to be a thing of the past. It still works, people. Prayer still works by getting into the Word of Almighty God and being more concentrated and being more wanting to know what He's got to say than what Facebook's got to say. We're more preoccupied in what every uh, uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry, every Lojo that's out there's got to say, but yet we never pick up the Word of God and care about what He's got to say. And I'm going to say, if you're spending more time on social media looking at what everybody else has got to say than spending time in the Word of God, you need to get your priorities straight. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because I love you. To those that are watching, I say that because I love you. Because this is what's going to carry us through. Not what our neighbor says. Not a care less of who we got something to eat. That's not more important. What's important is that what Christ has got to say, what God has got to say to me and to you. We will, everybody say, I wish she would talk to me. Here. He'll talk to you anytime you want him to talk to you. In the middle of the night, in the morning. But it seems like we want to run to him only when we're in times of trouble. Like about right now. When we need to be running to him all the time. All the time. So many started out riding on fire for the Lord. But now they're spiritually barren. I had it in my notes. David and I talked about it today. We are the church of Laodiceans. We say we're increased with good, with riches. We're not in need of nothing. I looked at him and summed to rise it up. And the way that I talk, we're bloated and ain't got nothing. We're fat and bloated, and we've got nothing inside. But yet we say we're good. We're in need. Upon what we did 10 years ago, it's going to be predicated upon the condition of our heart and soul today, right now, this hour. And I know that that's not popular preaching, and I know many people say, well, I don't like that. That good. I'm glad. Because I love you enough and care about you enough to tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way and that it's only relationship with Him that we're going to make it. If Stacy and I went around and didn't talk to each other about much like most Christians do with the Lord, her and I wouldn't be together today. Because you can't go around and not speak to your spouse, the one that you say that you love, and not spend time with the one that you say that you love, and then think that that marriage is going to last. We can't we love Jesus with all of our heart, lift up our hands and praise Him, and we never get in the Word of God. We never pray and seek His face. We never come to Him. All we do is give Him one hour of our time on church and think that we've done good and think that that relationship is going to maintain. It's not going to maintain. And I'm not preaching works here. It's still faith and grace. But when faith is properly anchored and grace is able to flow into our heart, there's not going to be a have to, there's going to be a want to. I desire to pray. I desire to seek His face. I desire to read God's Word. I desire to assemble myself with my brothers and sisters. Why? Because there's something on the inside that's bubbling up inside of me. And it bubbles each and every single day. It's called a relationship and it's love for my Lord and for my Savior. 
I'm not living off of what used to be. It's today. You can experience him each and every single day. Not just here in Yakinville, not just in Charlotte or Denver or whatever church. You can experience him going down the road in your car. You can experience him in your house. You can experience him on your job because he would never leave us and never forsake us. But the problem is, is that we're not entering in to experience. To allow him to replenish us with the oil in our lamps. A lamp is no good without oil. You can't be a light to this dark world without the oil. And if we're not careful, we're not going to be ready for when the bridegroom comes. You see James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. What a wonderful promise that if we'll draw nigh unto him, then he will draw nigh unto us. A lot of people say, well, how do I draw nigh? Listen, we are to read, we are to pray, we should do these things. But to draw nigh unto God, the only way that you can draw nigh, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Because outside of that, you're trying to draw nigh unto God through the means of flesh. And flesh can never be accepted. If I said, well, God, I'm going to draw nigh to you in the, in the, by the word, and I place my faith in my own reading, or I place my faith in prayer, or I'm going to draw nigh to you by giving X, Y, and Z in the offering plate. Listen, that is flesh. Faith is in that, and God cannot accept it. But you draw nigh unto him one way, and the only way that man can first come to him, continuously come to him, and that is through the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. The only way that we can draw nigh to Him is through the blood. Pray all you want to, but if you don't come to Him in the name of Jesus Christ and realize that you are not deserving of anything good and realize that, Lord God, I need mercy, we're going to be rejected. Because it's only through the blood. There's nothing about us within ourselves that He can accept. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, that He is pleased with. So when we come to him any other way, we're rejected. You see, the day of the bridegroom's appearance in the parable was longer than what was originally thought. But again, his delay does not mean that it wasn't going to take place. You see, Jesus Christ's return is sooner than what we realize. But are we watching and are we waiting? Because he tells us that we are to watch and to wait, but the church is not watching nor waiting. Romans 13, 11, and that, knowing the time that, not, that now it is high time to wake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than what we believe. So Paul is saying right now is the hour. Right now is the hour. Let me tell you, spiritually speaking, and let me, he said the midnight crowd was going to come. Spiritually speaking, we're at about 11.55, 11.57. We're in that last hour before it's getting ready to strike midnight. And the church is fast asleep. When I want to get Jeremiah to sleep and I want to keep him asleep the longest outside of being at night, all I have to do is rock him. And the devil is doing nothing more but saying to just shh, keep sleeping. Keep sleeping. And the enemy's just rocking the chair back and forth. Just stay asleep. I'm going to take prayer out of school while you're asleep. I'm going to remove the Ten Commandments. I thought, just keep sleeping. We're going to shut down services in church that say they want revival, but we're going to close the doors. I ain't talking about right now. I'm talking about the fact that the service used to be open. But now we've went down and we give God one time a week. Keep sleeping. I'm going to pass same-sex marriage. Shh, keep sleeping. I'm going to allow abortions to take place to where oh, right now I think it's uh, 60 million have taken place since the time that law. But the church is, shh, 
keep sleeping. Rocking back and forth, and the church is fast asleep, and then all of a sudden we wake up. And we say, well, how in the world did this happen? Judgment begins at the house of God. And it's because we failed to be the church, because we failed to preach the word, because we failed to be that ambassador for him, because we sat back and kept our mouths shut for far too long. And that is why the world is in the condition that it's in today. But it is time to wake up and to start acting like the church because the Bible says that now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. That means the coming of the Lord. It's nearer now than when you first believed than when you first said yes to Jesus Christ. Well, I've only been saved two weeks. Okay, we're two weeks closer than when you first believed. 20 years, 30 years, it don't matter. He's coming back. So the Bible tells us that the midnight cry finally came and behold, the bridegroom cometh and then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. But what good is trimming that wick if there's no oil in the lamp? Trim it all you want to. There ain't no oil in that lamp. You can light that fire all you want to and it ain't going to light and it ain't going to burn. Why? Because there's no, been no replenishment. There's no oil within the lamp. People are going through religious motions. That's not the oil. Going to church is not the oil. Faith and going through religious motions is not the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit and it comes by looking to Him and what He has done. And there is a constant flow, a replenishment of the oil that we need every single day of our life. So that now the light is blooming, the light is there and we're watching and we're waiting so that we don't miss when the bridegroom comes. You see, we got too many smoking Christians, but no fire. Smoking, I'm not talking about a cigarette. I mean smoking Christians, but got no fire. They have burned and burned, but then little by little, the fire got smaller and smaller, and they are smoldering, but the fire has long went out in them. Where's the desire? Where's the pursuit of righteousness? Where's the pursuit of holiness? Where's the desire to be in His presence? Because I can tell you, without his presence, we've got nothing. So the foolish cries out to the wise for a portion of their oil. And the wise says, wait a minute, I can't give you my oil because i got to have it just for me. Let me tell you something. Saving grace is not transferable. Saving grace is not transferable. You can't ride mama's coat to heaven. You can't ride daddy's coattail to heaven. You can't just live off of what took place, but you've got to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's you and Him. When you stand before the Lord one day, you're not going to have mama there, or daddy there, or husband there, or son-in-law there, or daughter-in-law, or whoever you want standing there beside of you pleading your case. You better get to the one right now that can plead your case that said, He is mine. And that His name is Jesus Christ. The one who intercedes on the behalf of that is ever interceding for you and I, even right now at this moment. So again, I, re I read behind someone, and it's rightly so that God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. He don't have grandchildren. It's a son and a daughter only. So again, the Bible says that they went out to buy, and the, the, the ones that were without any oil, they went out to buy, and the bridegroom came, and the ones who were ready went in with him. So here we've got the bridegroom come. He's come to do the marriage like that. You got five that are wise. They had the oil that seen. They were five that were foolish. They didn't have the oil they couldn't see. And so they're out there and they're going about trying to get the oil. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that as they're going out, 
the door was shut. The door was shut. And let me tell you, that door that's shut, I can sit and bang on it all day long if it's locked, but I can't get in. You know why? Because the door has been sealed already. Because the door was shut like that. You can cry out and do all of this that you want to. When that door shut, that's it. When the rapture ever takes place, that's it. I want out of here on the first load. I would want to be left behind for nothing in this world. And not one person has to. But the door was shut. And they come and they find themselves knocking on the door. Hey, let me in. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that they was only the ones that were ready that went into the marriage. Who were ready? Those that had oil in their lamp that seen them, they were ready. Those glorious, wonderful, the door was shut. But the ones that had no oil in their life, in their lamp like that, they were shut out from the marriage. And then they find themselves knocking on it, screaming, Lord, Lord, open to us. And what does his response? I know you not. He don't know the ones that's not in relationship with him. He knows us all by our name, but to know him in a means through a relationship is by the ones, again, that's having the replenishment of the oil. You see, I, there's many to say I don't know you means not only do I not recognize you, but it means I don't acknowledge you as my people. 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless, the fountain of God, the foundation of God stands sure, having a seal. The Lord knows them who are his. If you're his, he knows you. In Genesis, in Exodus, the Bible and now we're told the Lord knows those that fear Him. And in John, we're told that He's the good shepherd and knows those that are His sheep. And guess what? The sheep knows Him. So do we know Him? Second Peter 1 and 10. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. We better make sure that we know that we know that we know. And there are too many that think, well, I might, I, I might be. I'm about 80% sure. But let me tell you, if you're not 100% sure today that everything's right between you and the Lord, let me tell you that today you can know and can be assured. Peter here tells us that we better make sure our calling election is sure, that we better be diligent. Paul goes on to tell us in another scripture to examine yourself and see if you be of the faith. Are we truly resting in Christ? Are we truly looking to Him for what, and what He has done for us? Are we truly relying upon Him? Are we asking Him, Lord, refill me. Lord, re replenish me with the oil. You see, the character of these virgins being foolish along with their carelessness to attend to their lamps afforded them the consequence of not being present with the bridegroom. Their, their, their character and their carelessness gave them consequence of not being with the bridegroom i don't know about you but i want to be with the bridegroom i don't know about you but now more than ever before i want him to to fill me up to the earth. i don't want to just let a day go by lord pour into my life pour into me let my lamp burn i don't want to be like this lamp here i don't want to be empty anymore i don't want to be half full but lord i want to be like this one so full of you lord I don't want to be like this because if I live in a condition of this, then I might just miss you when that wedding takes place. And this is where the majority of people in the church are today. They're without oil. But let me tell you, today and in one moment's time like that, you could cry out unto the Lord and in one moment's time you could be like this again. 
Hallelujah. Full of the oil. He's telling you that's watching by internet you can be like this today you don't have to keep going around living the way that you're living you don't have to keep going around just going through the motions but you can be full of the oil today and you can be ready for when he comes back full of oil is what i want here is where the power i want to be a light to the oils got to be there i want to be ready when he comes back the oils got to be there if you'll stand to your feet and the singers come back. When I was younger, I used to play this game with my brothers, the neighbors, kids, those in school, and we played a game that each and every one of you guys know, and it's called hide and go seek. And the person whose eyes were closed, the person who was the one counting, the last comment that they would say right before they began to go and seek the ones that were hiding was, ready or not, here I come. And let me tell you that today the Lord is saying, and will say one day, ready or not, here I come. But today you can be ready. Today, in one moment, you can be ready. All you've got to do is say, Jesus. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, touch my heart. Lord, forgive me of what I've done. Forgive me of the way. Let me tell you, there is nothing worth. There is nothing worth your soul. There is nothing worse than missing the rapture of the church. There's nothing worse than that. But you can have that same joy that we possess today if you would just cry out to him and ask him to come into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you. Let me tell you, I have to go before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Not like it used to one time be. Let me tell you, today is the time to make sure that it's right. Today is the day of salvation. Today, don't leave out of here without knowing that it's right. Or maybe you're here. Wayne, I want the oil. I want a replenishment of His oil. I love the Lord with everything within me, but I feel like here lately all I've got is a little bit of the oil. Today, He can fill you back up. Or maybe you're here today and you're full, but you're saying, I want more of Him. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of the oil of your Spirit. I want you to flow in my heart. I want you to have control of me. And that everything that I have told you covers every one of us in here. It don't matter if you find yourself in the first, second, or third. You, we are all in one of them. We've got to be ready, church. We've got to be ready. I want to be, as the wise virgin, full of oil. If you find yourself in one of the three, and that's all of us, if you want more of Him, I want you to make your way down to these altars and ask the Lord to pour into you. I don't care if you're up on this platform, whatever. We don't have to have music to let the Lord move. I want him to pour out. So if that's your heart's desire, come and make your way to these altars as they begin to sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.